Could more waste be cost-effectively recycled if robots did it? I'm Robert Colangelo, and this is Green Sense, where we introduce the latest green innovations, like using robots to optimize a dirty job like recycling that people don't like to do. Montanya Horowitz is founder and CEO of AMP Robotics, and he joins us now. Montanya, welcome to Green Sense. Thank you so much, Robert. Uh, it's a real pleasure to, to be on the show. Uh, Montanya, can you please provide a thumbnail, uh, just a big picture overview of the touch points and the path that waste travels from consumer to landfill? And then tell us uh, just in, in a summary format, where can AI and robots make the recycling process more efficient? Yeah, you know, a lot of people think that recycling is somehow ha handled by the city or the municipality, but there's there's really a couple different stages to the, the food chain around waste. Um, what you have is uh, different entities that produce waste. Uh, they might be a city, they might be a stadium, an office building, even an HOA. They'll all negotiate their own uh, separate waste contracts. They'll have those contracts with waste haulers uh, who will bring the stuff to landfills, recycling facilities, and incinerators. Um, if it's to a recycling facility, that facility is trying to separate out different commodities. So number one, plastics, number two, plastics, aluminum cans, cardboard, uh, things like that. And they'll sell those to a, to a number of different end markets. Uh, that's what they call it in recycling, but uh, things like paper mills, uh, smelters uh, for the metals um, and what's called plastics reclaimers. These different uh, entities, uh, they can all be um, you know, one group, uh, groups like uh, say waste management or others, they may own hauling, landfills and recycling facilities or they can be all independent entities. Uh, what you often find actually is that uh, these are businesses that run recycling facilities, um, not often the municipalities. When the municipality actually does have the recycling facility, it's typically uh, the, the operations are contracted out to, um, to one of these entities. Um, at least that's what you find most often. So for us, um, what we are doing is we are deploying, uh, developing and deploying technology uh, that helps solve some of the most significant challenges for these recycling facilities and we sell to these businesses. Um, our real core kernel of technology is not so much robots, it's actually artificial intelligence. Um, what we've done is we've developed a vision system built on uh, artificial intelligence that lets us identify all this material that you put in the recycling bin even though it's smashed and folded and dirty and it's been through, you know, these collection trucks and things like that. Um, in general, it's, it's not very pretty stuff, um, but our robots can go through that and, and identify the items using artificial intelligence. And then uh, we use robots to sort this stuff out. Um, and uh, yeah, and that, that's kind of where we do and where we fit into the food chain. So not so much your company, but in general, where, where does AI and robots fit in to make that process more efficient? So, you know, interestingly, because this material is so uh, diverse, it's every item is smashed or folded or dirty in some different way, there really hasn't been the ability to develop a sensor that tells you what material is present. And without that sensor, people really haven't been able to bring automation to recycling in the way they have for manufacturing, for oil and gas, uh, you know, for, for things like this. Uh, so what we, what, the, what we saw as an opportunity is that AI could allow us to have that sensor. And then with that sensor, we could do all sorts of things that had been challenging the recycling industry before. Being able to identify the material, it's really powerful information and you can use it in a number of different ways. So one of them is robots. Uh, you know, if I can identify it now, I can tell my robots to go pick it. Um, but there's a number of other uses as well. We can tell people how pure material streams are. You know, if you're selling number one plastics, it's 95% pure or 98% pure or, or whatever, uh, you know, the amount may be. Um, 
but uh, but the robots are really the core of what we focused on up until now. And uh, what we're solving for the facilities is this challenge where they do have pieces of machinery that will separate out these commodities, but it tends not to produce very high purity. And so what you see if you visit a recycling facility is heavy machinery, very similar to what you have in mining, but surrounded by people sorting stuff by hand. The job is pretty uh, tedious. Um, it's also, it can be fairly dangerous. People put all sorts of nasty things in the recycling, um, has hypodermic needles, uh, recycling facilities all have stories about grenades and things like that. Um, and the result is very high rates of turnover and most facilities are run understaffed. So our robots can help automate those sorting stations and bring those recycling facilities to um, full capacity. Well, that's a good overview. So let's get into some of the details. Uh, it's a pretty amazing to see the videos of your recycling robots and how they work. They kind of look like uh, pogo sticks with suction cups uh, <laughs> where they grab stuff as it moves along a conveyor belt. In your words, uh, uh, describe how they work and what do they do? Um, so what um, our robots uh, uh, do is um, we basically bolt them onto existing conveyor belts in these recycling facilities. There's a vision system up front. We identify the good stuff these facilities want to pick out. Uh, it sends a command to the robot. The robot reaches down, enables this uh, suction-based gripper, uh, and then throws it into uh, some location that the facility already has, uh, maybe a trash can or a uh, bunker. Um, the, um, the robots uh, are actually robots that have been used in manufacturing for decades. Uh, they're called uh, Delta robots. Uh, you're right, they do kind of look like pogo sticks. Um, I've heard other descriptors as kind of like, they look a bit like spiders, um, but they're uh, a choice of robot where um, these robots are particularly fast and robust uh, and so really well suited to the recycling world. What kind of recyclable materials can be sorted and how do the robots detect uh, what to keep and select what not? Yeah, so um, the real core technology there is this AI where we use different visual cues of the item, like uh, different uh, logos that might be present, different uh, notions of shape. That kind of tells the robot, hey, this is a plastic bottle or this is a piece of cardboard. Um, and then, um, yeah, once it's uh, selected, uh, then the robot uh, you know, reaches out, picks it up and, and sorts it away. For our robots, we can sort pretty much anything that a person can sort. There's a couple of key exceptions, but um, pretty much everything you were supposed to put in the recycling bin, cardboard, plastic, and things like that. Um, what the kind of bigger question is, is what's worthwhile for that recycling facility to sort? Because these are real businesses, they're only gonna sort material that they can actually sell for a profit. Um, that ends up being the plastics and paper and everything that people are taught to put in the recycling bin. Um, as long as it fits into those categories, we've designed our system to go after it. But what's interesting is, because these robots are so efficient, they're very high, high speed, um, we can sort of lower the cost of sorting this stuff out and that can make new materials profitable to sort out. So we're actually kind of expanding the set that, can, that are, are uh, sorted out by these facilities. So a question I have when you have a child or you have a dog, when it does something good, you reward good behavior. Uh, with AI, how do you reward these robots when they uh, do a good job sorting or recognizing? Uh, that's a, what you want them to. <laughs> yeah. Um, so uh, what we do is, uh, yeah, we, we do have to tell them what's good and what's bad. Um, uh, the way we do this is actually all of our robots are networked together and they're networked back to us at headquarters. And so we're constantly gathering data. We're saying, uh, you know, what did we pick today? What, you know, what's available in front of you right now? Uh, we then have a team of uh, dozens of data annotators is what we call them, but they go through all of this information and say, this was in fact, you know, number one plastic. This was in fact an aluminum can. Once we have that data set of kind of the 
the images of the items, and then the correct decision about what it is. Uh, this goes into a, a, what's called a training algorithm, but um, uh, it basically uh, does create this uh, penalty and reward signal that tells the, uh, the AI, uh, or more specifically, something called a neural network. It tells it what's good and what's bad, and it, it's able to learn from that. But uh, there's no treats uh, or anything like that. It's just a, a number one or a number zero in a, in a database somewhere. Well, let's talk about economics. Our show's all about, uh, you know, identifying the good green ideas that make economic sense. Uh, in the U.S., typically recycling has been very difficult to make profitable uh, because of the costs associated with collecting the material. Then we have to sort it and then process that waste into a feedstock. Um, and then the second challenge has been there just hasn't been a big demand for recyclable material at a, uh, a competitive price. Uh, many of these materials are ending up in a landfill. Uh, they, they claim to be recycled, but there's just not a market for them. Tell us, can robots and AI change the economics of recycling and uh, really uh, bring more of these uh, waste products uh, to market? Yeah, that, that's exactly what we see ourselves as doing with this technology. Um, so uh, as we were talking about before, the... Um, these these facilities are being run as real businesses, you know, and they have to extract a profit. The rough numbers here are that if you look at a ton of material you might get from a residential community, it might be worth $60 per ton or $80 per ton. And that's some, you know, weighted combination of the plastics and the paper and the metals in there. Running a recycling facility can cost $70 a ton, $90 a ton. It can even cost more than $100 a ton. And so what you see is that, uh, you know, right now, today, uh, it's a pretty uh, tough business to be in, and some materials will be worth a lot more than others. That's for a number of reasons, but one of the primary ones is uh, that there's a, a real high cost in the manual labor needed to fully staff these facilities. Um, it's a, like I mentioned, it's a fairly tough job, um, and uh, the results are high rates of turnover. So the facilities aren't even being run fully staffed, the workforce may be unmotivated, for our robots, uh, they have several different benefits, but uh, one of the primary ones is that they're extremely consistent. Uh, as, they, uh, as they are deployed, um, you can really count on this uh, kind of baseline of sorting capacity, um, and they're um, very cost-effective. They actually lower this fundamental sorting cost. So one of the primary metrics we measure ourselves against is, what is the sorting cost per ton that we can uh, give to facilities? Can we bring it down from $90 a ton to $70 a ton to $60 a ton? Um, and that in turn makes more and more materials profitable uh, to sort out. One of the other challenges that is associated with this is um, actually the purity of these materials. The more pure you can separate the stuff out, the more it'll be worth. So this, uh, so regardless of the cost, if you can enhance the value of material, then um, that also creates a strong incentive for these facilities. So that's great, but what about the demand side? Because you could have really low cost, but if the demand's not there, <laughs> It, it's yeah. gonna, it's going to impede the industry. So, so what is there anything that can be done to help increase uh, demand for recyclable materials? You know, there absolutely is, and we're actually seeing a huge shift in the industry right now uh, around this, and it's really driven by consumer pressure, uh, where people want to buy material that's packaged uh, out of recycled goods. Um, you know, and this is really in a response to consumers being worried about plastics in the ocean and, and things like that. So what you really need is, is uh, exactly like you're saying, a strong demand for these things. Um, you know, strong demand does exist for some of the materials, number one plastics and number two plastics. Uh, a lot of the other plastics, less so. Um, but um, 
there's a number of reasons for it. One is related to this purity question. Um, manufacturers, even if they can get the plastics, plastics from recycled sources, if it's not as high quality as the virgin substitutes, you know, it's just, it's harder for them to make high quality packaging out of it. Um, so our robots do help with that. We can also be much more specific about what we separate out, not just separating out, you know, number one plastics, but separating out, say like, you know, if we want to a brand, a specific brand plastic, so they can get it back. All of this increases the sort of set of things people can do with all of that recycled stuff. And that's what so we're in summary, you're, you're able to produce a higher quality, pure product at a cheaper price. And that, that's right. And we, we attack both sides of that equation. Awesome. Um, your robots have processed over a billion recyclables. Uh, I, uh, uh, Bob Kessler, our producer, got us this number across installations in over 20 states. Are those figures accurate or are those, uh, you have something more up to date? Um, those figures are, are, are pretty accurate. You know, we're still sort of in the same order of magnitude, uh, but, um, but yeah, we're, uh, that's a pretty significant volume of recyclables. Yeah, that, that's fantastic. How old is your company? We're about six years old now. The waste sorting robotics market is set to reach 12.26 billion by 2024, just around the corner. And that's supposed to increase at an annual compounded uh, rate of 16%. What's behind all that growth? Several different things, but really it, there's strong demand in the industry for this type of technology. I think what we're seeing is that it solves a meaningful problem and a meaningful constraint that's really been holding the whole industry back. Our hope is that these types of growth figures lead to um, broader, um, more opportunities and more recycling facilities being built. Uh, so really it's part of a broader story about the recycling industry itself growing because we're solving some of the pain points. Robotic machines uh, have an advantage of being consistent and predictable, but sometimes they can go haywire with comic results. Do you have any funny stories you can share or notable disasters that uh, came along the way when you were developing your recycling robots? Well, you know, you tend to see a lot of funky things happen inside of recycling facilities. Um, but I do remember a couple late nights where we were, uh, you know, trying to figure out why um, a robot wasn't doing quite what we expected to do. And I just remember, um, you know, late night, really cold, uh, a robot, you know, we're looking at this thing, wondering what's going on, and it smashes down on a full milk jug with the cap on, and it just, just, uh, <laughs> you had a whole spray of rotten milk all over us. And um, yeah, there's a, Unfortunately, too many of these nights uh, to, to recall, but um, when you mess up in recycling, uh, it can get pretty messy pretty fast. Any other uh, comical stories you could share? What, well, it, you know, it's more of a trajectory, but I, um, what was funny to me was uh, it seemed like for the first year, every time we almost uh, got the system working, we, broke, we would break the robot. So in the first year, we got a robot up and running within a couple months. And pretty much after about a week of operation, it broke. So we deployed a second robot. Uh, everyone was rooting for us. The sorters on the line, the robot was working, were working next to us, would applaud us whenever we got it working. And we broke that robot too. Um, but uh, by the third robot, we actually kind of knew what we were doing. Um, so uh, it didn't seem very funny at the time, but looking back, uh, it, was, uh, it was definitely a lot of fun. Uh, are there any other applications for your robots beyond recycling that can uh, you know, help improve the environment in a sustainable way? Um, there are certainly many, uh, you know, we've looked at using our technology in different applications in um, agriculture and, and other areas, but uh, what we've really focused on ourselves is uh, the expansion outside of just single stream recycling. Uh, so it is still in recycling, but we also now sort construction and demolition material, 
uh, organic material uh, and other areas. Um, but there's been a, a large number of sort of exciting uh, uses of um, both robotics and artificial intelligence in, in terms of doing things like um, looking at uh, satellite photos uh, and keeping track of deforestation, um, uh, using uh, using that type of technology to monitor pollution, using drones for these types of purposes as well. Um, and uh, I personally get excited about all of these different uh, applications. Well, we appreciate you being on the show and sharing your insight on uh, trying to solve a dirty job that people just don't like to do, but something that's important for uh, a sustainable society. Thanks for joining us. No, likewise, thank you for having me. That's Matanya Horowitz, founder and CEO of AMP AMP Robotics. I'm Robert Colangelo, and this is GreenSense. Subscribe to our podcast at greensensefarms.com. Check out the GreenSense Minute every Thursday and Saturday on News Radio 780 and 105.9 FM WBBM Chicago.